right, all right, all right. Hello from sunny California. This is the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I help people quit their jobs by investing in real estate rental properties so they never have to work again, where they make money every single month from the rent that their tenants pay them, minus the expenses, is passive income in your pocket. Now today, I am recording out of California. I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a minute. Now in today's show, we're gonna be talking to an investor named Greg. Greg started investing by buying his first house on the courthouse steps. Can you believe that? Now, not many investors actually go to the courthouse steps to buy through an auction, a house they've never seen, but Greg did, he's gonna show us how he did it. Now, let's listen today as we talk to Greg and how he shares how he bought his first property on the courthouse steps and how you can do it too. All right, let's get in there and start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, guys, now let's get started. I am here today in California, and the reason why I'm in California is because I came to look at a gym, a gym that's very similar to mine, the one that I want to build. If you remember um, the last episode, I talked about how I'm going to be starting a gym. It's kind of like a CrossFit gym, but not going to have classes. It's going to be that style of workout, have powerlifting, Olympic lifting, which I really love to do. And so I decided, because I'm going to be putting a lot of money down, buying equipment, getting the space all equipped, and making sure that the landlord's okay with you know the, my finances and everything, you have to have a good amount of money. You know, I think it's going to be sixty, seventy thousand dollars to get this gym built up and just to get it started. And so I came to California because there's a gym here in town that I am looking at because it has the same entire business plan as I am planning to have. 24-hour gym, the same type of clientele, same type of equipment. The owner I'm talking to, super, super awesome. I'll give him a shout out. The gym is, the name is Legion Training Camp. They are fantastic. Um, The owner is absolutely amazing. Super generous of this time. And I am here learning about how he runs his business. So basically, and this is, you'll, you guys will definitely appreciate this. So there's three parts to his business, and this is exactly how I'm going to create my business. So one is the actual gym location. So I'm setting up one business. That is the actual gym location. Then I'm setting up another business, which is going to be the parent company that if I open, if and when I open more gyms, that parent company is going to own all the different locations. So that's the second company. But you know, I'm an investor. I invest in real estate. I am going to create a third business. That third business, which is they're all three are mutually exclusive. They don't really, they're basically all separate. I am going to buy real estate with my third company. And then my franchise or the big main company is going to be renting that space from my real estate company. And then the location is going to be paying the franchise fees and the franchise is going to be paying the real estate. So I'm going to be making money left and right. And so What's a, a little bummer right now is the spot that I'm actually going to be moving into. It is a lease only right now, but there is a possibility of actually buying 
the property. It's 16,000 square feet, huge, huge place, and I'm hoping to do a seller financing. The end goal is to have, number one, a great business, a great business that runs, you know, people coming to the gym, exercising. That's a number one goal. But the number two goal, long-term goal, is to buy commercial real estate. Now, we talk about single-family homes in here. I created my fortune with single-family homes, quit my job, travel the world, all that great stuff. And that's what I want to share with you in single-family homes. But I am also branching out, which as you get your more single family homes, you're going to get to where you have money. So then you can now do something a little more risky or a lot more risky. It's so much easier buying a single family home than it is to buy in a commercial complex. So many more things involved, so much more money that you need, but that's the progression. Think of like Monopoly. You know, when you play a Monopoly, first you buy the land, then you put a house on it and you get people coming and paying you money because they stop there. It's like stay in the night. They give you money. Then you put another house and then you put another house and eventually you get to have a hotel. And hotels like the commercial, the multifamily, the big, you know, the bigger, the step up from these single family homes. And that's what I'm in the process of doing. And that's what I want to see with you. So we start with single family homes so we can build up passive income. And I want to help you get started investing in real estate rental properties. You know, starting small with a single family home, just like I did to where you could eventually quit your job and never work a job again and then move up into multifamily, commercial properties and all that great stuff. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com freeinvestorworkshop.com. I want to show you how you can get started. I will also have that link in the show notes page and in the description. This is the 70th podcast episode. If you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash seven zero, and that will take you to the podcast episode show notes. So there are three things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to go to freeinvestorworkshop.com. Number two, I want you to get signed up for the workshop and three, watch it so you can change your life forever. And I want to help you to get to where I am and I'm going to help you every single step of the way. Now, today we are talking with Greg Gaudette. He is an investor out of Hawaii. Can you believe that? He actually is in investing in Hawaii, a really crazy expensive market, but he's found a way to do that. And we're going to listen in how he did it, even how he bought his first property from the courthouse steps. It's awesome that you can buy properties at auction at the courthouse Texas, basically an option. And Greg is going to walk us through how he did it. And you can buy properties for much, much cheaper than you could if you bought it on the MLS or through a wholesaler or anything like that. And he's also going to share how he does it in Hawaii and still makes passive income. Also, one thing I want to share with you, our internet was a little spotty on the connection. So if there's a little bit of, you know, uh, fast forwarding or it just sounds weird, I really, really apologize with it, but it was a great interview and I want you guys to hear it. Okay, guys, now let's get in today's show where we're going to talk to Greg Gaudette on how he invests in Hawaii and buys properties from the courthouse steps. All right, let's start the show. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with me on this special interview that I have with Greg Gaudet. Now, Greg is an investor. He actually lives in Hawaii and he also invests in Hawaii. And it's just super awesome to see another investor. Um, I personally think, man, how in the world can you invest in Hawaii? But Greg does it. So, Greg, thank you very much for being here on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and uh, look forward to talking. Awesome. So, Tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, uh, are you married, do you have any kids, and what you like to do personally, like let's get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a surfer, uh, surfer, kite surfer, stand-up paddleboarder, uh, basically I love the ocean, and uh, grew up in South Florida, Miami, Palm Beach area, and moved out to Maui in 2012, uh, mostly at the time to be able to surf more, and uh, been here ever since. Love it. And uh, 
don't see myself leaving anytime soon. Not married yet, but I'm getting married next month. Um, Congratulations. That's great. Yeah, a little late on that one. <laughs> About the same age as you, but just never happened. So next month. Hey, no, it's, it's great. Uh, congratulations. Did you meet her in Hawaii? Yeah, I did. Actually, I also had a small stand-up uh, business renting stand-up paddle boards on the side. And uh, she came out to visit uh, a couple months before she and her family were making the move out here. And she came and rented paddle boards for me. And that's how we met. And uh, we actually still run that little rental business on the side now and put the money towards our honeymoon. Oh, good for you, man. That's great. Yeah. Well, good. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your investing history. Now, I know you said you moved out to Hawaii in 2012. You've been thinking about investing for quite a while. You've recently started or re relatively recently, but tell us a little about your, how you got started and the process of getting started to getting that first property. Yeah. So um, I'll just summarize a little bit of history. Uh, when I graduated high school in 2002, I became an appraiser. That was the first thing right out of high school, went into appraisal, loved it, thought I was set for life, you know, like a lot of people probably at that time, uh, and did appraisal up until the recession hit and realized really quickly that wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't quite so set. And uh, anyways, and uh, during the recession, went back to college, uh, you know, did some studying, tried some different things, and then moved back, you know, like I said, moved out to Maui in 2012, went back into real estate, did escrow and property management. And all that time, ever since I had become an appraiser, I was super fascinated and passionate about real estate. And I just knew that I wanted to do that. I wanted to invest. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to make a living out of that, but I just never implemented the resources to figure out how to make a reality. Um, what I mean by that is I never read books on how to invest in real estate. I didn't really do the, the homework. Now in 2012, uh, I was doing escrow here. That was my first position on Maui. And I started making offers on properties and I, I, I was going to start, you know, I, I was taking the steps. I made a bunch of offers. I, I got that close to actually closing on a few different deals. I really wish that I had because they're all worth about triple what I was going to pay for them now. <laughs> But, uh, but I didn't understand the fundamentals of investing. And I was just buying because I thought you buy real estate and then you sell it in a couple of years for double what you pay for it, right? So uh, it wasn't until 2017 that I really started finding you know, different resources, reading books, and, and finding the amount of information out on the internet that could help me in uh, learning the principles behind making a, a sound real estate investment and not just going on the MLS, picking something you like and buying it for emotional reasons. So uh, that's what that's cool. So was it a, a bunch of different types of investing, not just rental properties? We we're looking at flipping as well and other ways of investing in real estate. I was looking at just buying something, even at mostly as an owner occupant. Uh, I looked at a couple of condos. I made a bunch of offers on a bunch of condos that I was just going to live in as owner occupant. And then hopefully make a million dollars off, right? Because that's what yeah. I thought real estate was. And um, I, I worked for a high-end uh, brokerage. I did a lot of their escrows. And so I saw these people that bought a condo for, you know, 800000 sold it three years later for $1.8 or, mm. you know, crazy numbers like that. And so that's what I thought, that's what investing is. So, uh, and then I also looked at single-family homes. There was a new development here. Uh, they were building single family homes in the middle of sugar cane fields, cookie cutter, 1200 square foot, 
4,000 square foot lot. They were going to be 400,000 and uh, three bedroom, two bath, which to me was like, I could actually, you know, stretching it, I could afford to buy something and get roommates. And, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. I didn't go through with that. Yeah. So now you're investing in rental properties. Tell us about your very, very first deal that you did. Tell us about how you found it, how much you paid for, what what's the cash flow like and all the good stuff. And, you know, so we can get to know um, this this deal because that's a big thing that all the listeners really want to know is how do you get started? Like, how do you take that first step and buy that first property? It's it's hard. You know, it's hard to do that, to get over that fear and actually get that first property. So how did you get that first property and how did everything work out with it? Yeah. So I'd love to take all the credit, but honestly, I, I owe it all to the people around me. And um, I just had so much help from others. If it wasn't for all those people, um, like I said, I started started really reading and listening to podcasts and educating myself in 2017. And towards the end of, you know, well, actually all through 2017, I was going to see units and making offers. I was looking at um, turnkey companies on the mainland because it was like, wow, you know, it's half a million to buy a starter home here. Um, and it's literally 10 times more. I could buy a house for 50000 there. So um, I... After while listening to some podcasts, I made some calls. I I really wish I could figure out who it was, but I spoke to somebody that had been on um, another podcast. I don't uh, quite recall, but I I just really resonated with this guy. I called him up and said, "Hey, loved your podcast." You know, we ended up talking for fifteen minutes and told him a little about what I was planning and doing. And and I told him, you know, there's this condo building here in Maui that you can buy condos for around a hundred thousand dollars. Um, you can cash flow with them, but it's like a D class building. It's, you know, and I don't know about it. You know, I don't know, you know, what kind of problems it could have and so on. So I'm going to buy these, uh, turnkey houses out in Memphis or whatever, you know, one of those places. And, uh, he said, I think we should consider buying your own market. So that's kind of like a catalyst that shifted my focus and said, okay, I got to listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. And, um, and then I started making offers on this one particular building. Um, there, there's a couple buildings kind of around that price range, but this one particular building is a lot of units. It's like over 300, 400 units. So it's just easier. You know, there's more listings, there's more units to get. So these other, there are other options of very comparable buildings there's just those buildings are all 30, 40, 50 units. So there's, they don't come up quite as much. So I started making offers in that building. Um, uh, I never got anything under contract because I was lowballing, of course, like I wanted to get a deal. Uh, I was really scared, had no idea what I was doing. I, I just, I was so scared of losing all my money. You know, I just seen so much in the recession. And uh, anyways, I, I, I was networking, like I said, with a lot of different people. One particular realtor that I networked with at the time uh, kept t- talking to me about the foreclosures and the auctions. And she mentioned this one particular unit in that building. Um, and she said, I think this is a good deal. You know, I think you should buy it. Um, and I, when she first mentioned it, I was like, no, 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 I'm, I, I'm not interested in it. You know, I can't see it beforehand you know, or any of that. Um, but then some time went by, a few months went by, and I was just realizing, like, man, the prices are going up. Sellers are not accepting my offers. 
and I got to find a deal. Like, I don't know. And I, so I, I reached back out to her and I was like, Hey, did that condo you were telling me about sell yet? And she's like, no, it's coming up in December. December of 2017 was the confirmation hearing, which in Maui, uh, our sheriff sale commissioners, auction, you know, courthouse auctions, uh, we have an auction. And then a couple months later, we have a confirmation hearing and you can reopen the bidding at the hearing. So that's what that was. So I, I, I did all my due diligence and prepared to bid. I, um, I went over to the property, I knocked on the door, talked to the tenants, made friends with them, got them to let me in and go see it. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah, yeah I, did, I did a ton of due diligence. I, I just went to every single auction at the courthouse. I talked to every single person. Um, you know, and, and figured out like, what do I need to know about this? Because of course there's a lot of risk buying at the courthouse steps that money, you know, you got to have cash to bid and you don't get it back. If you find out the titles cloud, uh, you know, like, a, a anything could happen. There's one that I was just about to bid on last week. And I found out that the mortgage that's foreclosing is the second lien position. So the first mortgage is going to get carried over. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so many things you got to check. So I, I learned all of that stuff in that kind of one month period leading up to that auction. Went, showed up to the courthouse. Um, actually, I'll summarize the story real quick because it was, it was really interesting. Uh, all excited, showed up to the courthouse. The bank's attorney, uh, when they called the case, said, I'm sorry, judge, we made a mistake. The uh, they had bid at the auction 61000 and they said, we made a mistake. We didn't mean to bid 61000 That's not the right amount. We need to you know, retract that bid and enter the correct bid, which was, is actually uh, 41000 I think it was supposed to be. Um, the unit, the average sales price, the market value is about 100000 at that time. Um, so I was just jumping up and down and so excited. I was like, yes, this is incredible. Um, the judge said, no, sorry, you made your bid. You can't change it. That's what it is. So uh, unfortunately, it didn't bring the price down. But oh man, then they go ahead and say, okay, let's go ahead and reopen. You know, is anybody else here to bid to reopen the bidding? And I raised my hand and, and another guy, another investor raises his hand. And I said, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. Uh, you know, I put the amount of time I put into this thing, uh, I must have put 100, 150 hours mm. into researching this particular unit and everything about how to buy it at the courthouse. And so we went out. Uh, what we do is when they reopen the bidding, the judge says, go out and do your bidding and then come back in and tell me and we'll confirm the sale. So we go out into the hallway. We, uh, the attorney, the commissioner opens the bidding. And right away, he opens the bidding, and I just throw up my hand and say, 64000 because that was the minimum to uh, starting to, to reopen. Uh, he, he bid 65 I bid 66 He bid 67 I bid 68 He bid 69 uh, and, and I'm sorry, important detail is it was 69 four, so $69,400. And I had brought $7,000. You have to have 10% of your bid to be able to bid. Um, and so I brought 7,000 because I figured I'm going, willing to go up to 70 in case anybody else shows up. And so he bid 69,400. I bid 70,000. And that was it. I won it. Wow. And I later found out that he had the also come 
with $7,000. And had I let him make the first bid, I would have been the one to bid 69.4 and he would have bid 70,000. I would have lost it. So it's just crazy how everything worked out. That's great. Now, yeah, if, if most people don't buy properties to the courthouse house because it's really nerve wracking doing the bidding, you have, there, there's so much you have to do due diligence wise. And you, I can completely understand when you say you spent over hundred hours figuring out this one particular property. It's, it's, there's a lot of work. Now there are people that actually do this really, really well, uh, but it's really, really hard to do. So congratulations for getting your first property, buying it on the courthouse. That's not, that's not something I would normally recommend to anybody, but great job. That's really, really awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I don't recommend it to anybody either. Um, and now, knowing what I know now, I look back on that transaction and it just blows my mind that I didn't, I mean, that everything worked out. It's unbelievable. There are so many things that could have gone wrong um, that I, I just didn't even realize at the time. Like the second lien position, I didn't know that at that time, that the first lien carries over and the second lien could be foreclosing. Uh, so, so many things. Um, and a, another funny detail is that guy that I was bidding against on that first auction is now one of my mentors. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so now you still own that property, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it turns okay, out so you, that was a great deal. Yeah. So you still own it. You have it rented out now, correct? Yeah. Same tenants. Great. So how much passive income do you make every single month from that one property? That unit, um, now it's, so I just increased the rent. Uh, originally it was rented at 1600 a month. Um, so I bought it for 70,000, uh, had it rented for 1600 and it was cash flowing about $650 a month. Um, but the, uh, the market rents had increased shortly, you know, a few, about six months in after the lease. And so once the lease expired, I brought the rents up to 1700 because that's the the new kind of market rent. I go based on the HUD rental standards, which uh, because this building is a lower class building and a lot of, you know, uh, less uh, people with less income tend to rent there. Um, it's not a fancy building. It is oceanfront, but it's not fancy or nice. Um, in this particular unit, it's a top floor corner unit, ocean view, direct oceanfront. I mean, right out the window, all you see is the harbor with the cruise ship and the ocean. Uh, but uh, anyways, yeah, now it's going to be uh, cash flowing about seven fifty. dollars Before, clarify, that's before maintenance and vacancies. Uh, so probably sure. about sure. Sure. That, that, sounds, that sounds fantastic. Be able, able to get a property like that and then make that much money every single month. I, going through, and you can get fantastic deals from the courthouse steps. It's not... It's not something that is, is absolutely easy to do. It's really, really hard to do. So man, being able to get through that. Now, moving from there, what was your next or like wh where did you go on from there and how did you start building the business even bigger? Yeah, so um, before I started, I kind of thought, you know, once I get this going, I'm gonna buy one unit and then maybe like a year later, I could buy another one. Um, I, I thought it was gonna be a really slow crawl, right? Um, closed on that unit in March, had it, you know, cleaned up, painted, you know, fixed up and rented out by, uh, early April. And, um, I had my next unit under contract about two months, month and a half, two months later. So, um, it, it just happened, you know, like I, I hear a lot of people say the first deal, uh, the purpose of the first deal is to get you to the second. Um, uh, and while my first deal was a great investment and cash flows more than, uh, yeah, I think it's, 
my highest cash flow unit now. Um, its purpose was to get me to the second. It's unbelievable how fast things happened once I took that plunge and made took that step. Now, I also want to say to you know, especially if there's beginners, you know, newbies out there listening, I took, like I said, my time. I did a lot of homework. I didn't just go say, okay, I want to learn about investing. Here's the one percent rule. Okay, I know I know what I need to know. Let me go buy something. You know, I really took a lot of time to learn this stuff. So I think that's a big reason that once I bought that first unit, I didn't need to sit back and, you know, see how things went. And That's, uh, that's fantastic. Now, a question is going to be coming in just about everybody's mind right now is, how do you get the money? So you started in 2017 and 2018, and now it's 2019. Um, how did you get the money to buy each, each property from the first one to the next one and the next one? And how do you keep having enough money to buy the next property? So first of all, I leverage them, of course, as much as possible. So 20% down. Um, so for the first one, I needed about 20. Uh, I think it came out about 25,000 total because with a foreclosure, you got to pay all the back owed, uh, you know, certain back owed maintenance fees, tax, whatever, whatever's owed. Um, I had saved basically the bot. The answer, the short answer is saving. So I saved, uh, probably 60% of my income and still do today. Um, I'm probably about six, yeah, 50, 60% of my income goes straight into savings. So I do work full time still. Um, I, I'm on a, a sales, like a business development, sales, business, business, sales position. I have a, a good base salary and my, my, my pay is about half commission, half salary. So I live on, I live on my salary and all my commission goes straight into my savings account. I never touch it. Never see it doesn't exist, and uh, and then of course the business now is generating a couple thousand a month in income, which has its own account, and that does not get touched. So um, so basically with savings, I I live off. I mean I am so I, that's one of the things I love about your show. You're so frugal, and you're always talking about being frugal, and and, and I love it. I, I just it's. I'm all about it. I get passionate about it. I go in the grocery store and I like I put stuff in my cart. I take a couple steps and then I say, I don't need this. Honestly, to be able to save that much money takes a lot of discipline. So good for you getting ha- or having the discipline to be able to save that much money or have the foresight and say, you know, I know what I'm going to do with my life. I want to be an investor. I want to invest my money. And number one, you have to have money, but also you use leverage. Leverage is fantastic. I've used it many, many times. I use other people's money so many times. It's what helped me build my business. And I know that with money, with having money in my bank account, it's so much easier to buy properties. Now, it is possible to buy properties with low and no money down. It's absolutely possible, but it takes a lot, a lot of work. And it's just so much easier if you have cash. And so that's what I always try to recommend with anybody who is looking to invest and as you know this, um, Greg, and everybody else needs to know this, this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a get wealthy plan. We get wealthy little by little over time. It took me about six years before I was able to, you know, once I started investing, six years later, I had enough money to replace my income. I didn't quit then because I was nervous, but it you know, took me another two and a half years, almost three years. At nine years, I finally quit my job. And it took me that long to have enough money. Now I'll never have a job again, which is praise the Lord and fantastic. But um, it took time. Now, even just to get started to buy that first property, you had the the discipline and the foresight to start saving money now, you know, being frugal, cutting expenses and making sure that you have money to buy that first property. So good for you, man. That is, that is terrific. 
Thank you. Awesome. So now that you're engaged and you're going to be married, did you have any any um, problems or conversations that might be an issue with your spouse about your investing or did you already meet after and you already had the business going? Because I know I had to convince my wife in order to start investing. So how did that go with you? I'm really lucky that uh, my fiance is also has worked in real estate. Um, she's in commercial real estate. She works for a large commercial uh, syndication business actually um, on the mainland. So she works remotely for them. Um, she also did escrow. So she understands the industry a lot and she understands what I'm doing. Um, I, I started investing right around the same time we started dating. We were together for maybe uh, six months or a year when I bought my first unit. Um, she's pretty supportive about it. She, um, she, she notes, like I said, she understands what I'm doing and what the long-term, the benefit is going to be for us and our family. And, um, so she's very, she's, she's incredibly self selfless. Um, she, she just gives and gives and gives. Right. And, um, I'm really, really, really fortunate in that aspect. You know, we, we just built a home. Um, that was kind of her thing. So we kind of, it comes down to compromise, right? Like her dream was to build this home on the hillside with these ocean views and, you know, nothing fancy, but it's expensive to do here. Right. And when I say build, but it's actually a, a prefabricated modular home. So, um, might not quite call, qualify as building, but, uh, anyways, yeah, it's, it's a new home that we, we put together. Um, and that was her thing. I, I wanted to house hack. I wanted to buy a house with a cottage. I wanted to live in the cottage and cash flow off of the house. And then when I had a family, I'd move into the main house and the cottage would still cover most of the mortgage. Um, so uh, to her, it was like, uh, she wanted to do this and she wanted to have two homes on the property so her parents could live in one. And I was like, I don't like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that's what she wanted. And I, my the most important thing to me was to build my investment portfolio. And so our compromise was we're going to build this house and, you know, have your, the home, the way you want it with your parents living us there with us. And I'm going to buy these rental properties that are going to create the cash flow to offset that mortgage. Um, and so that's what we've done. We've also house hacked our primary a little bit too, rent out the guest bedroom uh, a little bit here and there. So not, not all the time, but that helps yeah. too. Yeah, I have a, one of my I have one of my students who he moved from California to Idaho because he wanted to get out of out of California. He moved into Idaho and now with all of his real estate investing, he's now since bought a half a million dollar home on a lake up in Idaho, which is fantastic. He's, he's living the dream life. On top of that, it even has like, like you're thinking a cottage or like a little bungalow that it's on like a couple acres. So it has a secluded bungalow that's right next to the river or no, sorry, it's a lake. And so he rents that out for like, I want to say like $1,500 total. No, sorry, take that back. It, he said it covers his mortgage. So everything that he rents, it's an Airbnb. So it entirely covers his entire mortgage for that half a million dollar house just from having that one bungalow. So it, yeah, having that perspective of house hacking and utilizing your land to get people inside there living where you are, not necessarily in the same house. You know, if you can have enough land to have another uh, uh, parcel or something that has a property um, like a home or a bungalow or something like that, you can make good money and have it pay for itself, which would just be fantastic. Yeah, we're gonna. Um, now we're talking about getting a tiny home and putting our. We have about a half acre, so we have a little bit of extra space, and uh, we want to 
either buy a tiny home that we can either rent out or if, if it's legal to Airbnb, that'd be great. Um, if not, we'll long-term rent, rent it. Um, uh, or we could just rent the space to somebody that owns their own tiny home so I don't have to invest anything and just start cash flowing. Uh, so if we can make 800 or 1,000 bucks a month just renting the land, we'll do that instead. Uh, much less risk and much you know bigger return. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's going to be the next step. That'll be like the long-term play to, uh, you know, it won't cover the mortgage, but it'll take a nice chunk out of it and uh, we'll still have our nice, comfortable space to ourselves. So do you manage your properties yourself or do you have a property manager? I do self-manage. Um, I uh, So I mentioned after escrow, I, I was a, a property manager. I, I managed vacation rentals because that's a massive industry on Maui. Um, in fact, I like to I kind of think like Maui was doing vacation rentals before, you know, vacation rentals ever existed, right? All these buildings in Maui go along the beaches, Kihei and Lahaina are all vacation rental buildings that were built as condo tells, um, condos with a front desk for short term stays. And they were built in the sixties and seventies like that. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So I managed uh, 70 units in Kihei and, uh, had that little bit of experience uh, managing properties, but I also wanted to self-manage one to save the money and maximize, you know, my return um, while I, you know, small and new and starting and don't have a ton of properties. But two, I really believe that self-managing is important to understand all of the aspects that go into your property. Um, had I just turned my property over, you know, property manager, here you go, go rent it out. Every time I'd get my statement, you know, or get anything reported to me, I have no idea if it was accurate or if this is like good or bad or like, should I be expecting, you know, should that cost that much? Or, so anyways, I, I really like to self-manage because I'm learning everything about what, what goes into my units and what comes out. And uh, one day when I do decide to bring on management, I'll be able to uh, know if I have a good property manager and if they're, you know, if I'm have a good property cash flowing too. So. Yeah. That, and that definitely takes a lot of experience. Like I get things from my property manager saying, Hey, we have this or needs to be fixed or this needs to be fixed. And here's a quote we got. Well, number one, give me more than one quote. If it's over a thousand dollars, you better not just bring one quote to me. No, that's a, that's a huge, huge no, no. Um, but then I also know what things cost. And so if they come back, Hey, this is the quote that I have. I'm like, Whoa, that's just, that's, way outside of what it should cost, you know, it should cost instead of a thousand dollars should be like 750 or $800 at the very top. And so having that experience is something that's huge, a huge benefit. Um, and so, yeah, having firsthand, um, knowledge and, and actual experience now in managing your own properties, give us an example of something that would have been detrimental having a property manager, as opposed to you managing the property yourself. Like what did you learn or what have you learned that you can share with everybody else about managing properties yourself? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, that second unit that I had mentioned that was pretty trashed. I did a rehab on it. Um, not too long into the rental, the wax ring on the toilet gave out. Uh, so the, the bathroom water was coming up in the bathroom. Um, it's a long story, so I won't go into it, but I, I got, free floor in that unit. So when I did the rehab, I did the, uh, when I was bringing contractors in while I was in escrow and they were estimating 10,000, you know, so for the rehab, ended up doing it for 2000. Um, and I did that because I salvaged the cabinets, the counters, the vanity, the shout, like everything I could 
the only thing I really replaced was the flooring and a couple of doors and doorknobs. Yeah, and that's something that's really interesting that you brought up is your 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 boots on the ground. You are the person that is watching all the money, all the money coming in and out. There's nobody's going to care as much about your money as you. You're the you're the one that's going to be caring. Like my property manager, they do a good job. Actually, my, all of my property managers, they do a decent job because they know I'm always going to ask them, hey, can you get that cheaper? Can you find another quote or ask them to come down? So they, they, it's, it's just almost like a um, habit or uh, just in my nature. And they know this. And so they try to bring it down. But at the same time, I, all the time when I get an expense or a quote for something, they don't necessarily care as much about my money as I do. I don't care that much. And so if I'm there, I'm going to do it so much better, so much cheaper and more efficient. But that's the thing as I invest thousands of miles away. And so in investing that far away, I need to be able to put up with, you know, a little bit of differences in them spending a little more, more money or not doing the way I would do it. But what's great is I personally don't have to do any of that work, which is good. So uh, now with your investing and what you're going to be doing in the future, um, what, what have you learned out of everything from beginning to end? What lessons have you learned? What can you share with the audience that they can, yeah, hey, if I would have done this differently, this would have been better. What lessons can you share with everybody? Uh, a couple things. So first, I wish I would have started sooner. Um, while I'm glad that I took the time to educate myself, um, I, I really wish I had taken the time to edu educate myself sooner. I wish that back in 2012 when I was making offers on that those properties, I wish instead of going to the brokers I knew and, and asking them if it was a smart decision, I wish I had gone online and searched how to analyze a rental property or how to analyze an investment property. I would have found all the resources I have today and I, I, I'm, I have no doubt I'd be retired, you know, free from a job by this point, for sure. Um, so I wish I had started sooner. Um, the other thing I would say is um, I, I wish that I had been more mindful of my investment plan, my strategy, my financial. You know, like I said, I, I save a lot of my money. So I wasn't necessarily thinking about how can I get, how can I get my capital back out of this deal? Now, I call myself a Burr investor uh, by Rehab, Rent, Refinance, Repeat. Although I haven't actually completed the full cycle on one of those units yet, um, I, I did just get a line of credit from a unit I bought uh, last month, but I didn't rehab that unit because it had 20-year tenants in it, and I, I didn't, I'm not kicking them out. So, um, And it's a long story, but the, the lady is sick, and I don't want to disturb them and do a rehab right now, So, but the bank still gave me triple... Uh, the amount of money I, I bought it for, I bought it for 30000 and the bank gave me a $76,000 line of credit. So that's the closest one I have to completing the burst cycle on a unit. Um, but uh, the, the point of this is that I wish that at the time I had maybe uh, looked into using alternative funding sources to close on my first couple of units uh, because I, I did a great job, I think, of buying them at the right prices. Uh, the first one, 70000 appraised for ninety five. dollars uh, I could have used private money or hard money to close on it and then just refinanced it after closing and got my down payment back. And I would have been able to scale a lot quicker. Uh, in my first year, I wouldn't have really wanted to go any faster than I did. Of you know, I acquired five units in the first 12 months, but now I'm ready. <laughs> um, and uh, it'd be great now if I had all, all those funds. Now I can still go and refinance those. And now that I have five of them uh, and I'm working on 
you know, the next three, I don't want to, you know, I can't have all these transactions going on at once, right? The bank doesn't want to refinance three of my units at the same time. Um, and, uh, and they don't want to be doing a refinance on one while I'm purchasing another. So, so it's a little more complicated now. Um, but uh, when, I, when I get a nice little break between deals, I'll probably cash out of those and find some way to tap into that equity. But I, I wish that I had thought about that beforehand and really strategized, done it right so that I could have access to that capital, just pull that capital right back out. And then I wouldn't have to worry about it all now. Yeah. And that's something that when you are learning on your own as you go, there's only a few options that you can see because you don't have all the experience of you know years and years of investing. And that's something I love to do with my students is give them more than just one option, like just buy the property. Like, but what's your goal? Like where do you want to see this next, you know, this business in the next three, five years? And I ask them that and I say, in order to get there, these are your different options, you know, four or five different options. You need to pick what's the best one for your family. Whether when I first started, just like what sounds like with you, it's, it's, you know, there's only one option or maybe a second that's not as good, or we don't see the big picture. And if we don't see the big picture, we don't know how to plan our business accordingly. So yeah, definitely seeing the big picture. Very, very cool. So Greg, now that we're wrapping up, tell us a little bit about how somebody can reach you if they want to get a hold of you, if like if they need to work with you, um, or, you know, properties in Hawaii or something like that. Like how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'll give my uh, email out. It's Pono Properties at Gmail, which is P-O-N-O Properties at gmail.com. Awesome, great. Thank you so much for being here on the show. It's been great having you. I know I've learned a lot and hopefully our students and people listening on the podcast are really going to be seeing, hey, if Greg can do it in Hawaii, that's that crazy of a market, then I can do it wherever I'm living because I know that if I live in Hawaii, I'd be the first thought in my mind, like, man, I got to find someplace else to rent or to buy to, in order to rent. So good for you, man. Well, thank you very much for being here on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. All right, man. Thanks. Awesome, guys. Now, wasn't that such a great interview with Greg Goddett showing us how he invests in real estate in Hawaii and also buying an auction at the courthouse step. Now remember, go get yourself that free workshop. Go to Free Investor Workshop, sign up for that workshop, and then watch it so you can change your life and live the dream life. All right, guys, you've been terrific. Thank you so much for being on today, and I will see you next week. Peace out.